Hello. Hello, hello. Welcome everyone to a new episode of The Matcha Diaries. We're your hosts, Leo <laughs> and Kara. Are we gonna are we gonna start our episodes like that? I don't know. Leo and Kara. <laughs> I was trying to do a more professional intro and you totally ruined it for, <laughs> for Oh me. shit. Okay, you can start over if you want. No. <coughs> My intro for this week is I'm sick. Yeah, disclaimer, if Leo's if Leo sounds a bit nasally and coughs, then you know why. Is my voice kind of husky? Is it, is it, um, does it have like a smoker vibe to it? You just sound a bit congested. Oh, <laughs> that's upsetting. <laughs> I thought maybe I could get some sort of benefit from it. You sent me a voice note like, well, I don't know when it was, maybe Thursday, I think, yeah. And I was like, oh my god, you sound so ill. Like, you were just like, mm, I feel so <laughs> shit today. <laughs> I was like... <laughs> yeah, actually, uh, to be honest, so yeah, bad. it was a, it was a steep decline from Thursday morning onwards. <laughs> and I think I hit my, my worst low with it on Friday. Yeah. Hey, at least you weren't mm, sick Friday to Saturday. Could have been worse. Yes, oh my god. No, this is the only weekend it could have happened because this is the only weekend where I had plans that I could at least cancel, which is sad because we were supposed to... Plans that weren't that Plans that I could cancel with Cara. (laughs) I feel so special. As in like, nobody flew, you know? Yeah. Because last weekend... I, I was in Paris, so I couldn't have cancelled that. And then this weekend, and then yeah. the upcoming weekend, I've got people flying in from Germany and Italy. So that, like, I can't cancel that. No, that would have been horrendous, to be fair. If if people are making, like, paying for flight tickets to, like, come and see you, then you need to be there. You need to be available. Exactly. I guess so. That. I didn't mean that you were less important, obviously. <laughs> I'm joking. Obviously. To be honest, I heard your voice notes and I was like, uh, yeah, I'd rather not. <laughs> you literally you would have gotten sick from me like you did not want to see me yeah no it's fine <laughs> yeah no we're gonna see we'll see each other soon so it'll be fine but we were planning to have this like massive productive podcast weekend as well and it just didn't happen but here we are no. recording it's Woo-hoo. 8 p.m on a monday <laughs> so this is basically going to be like the part two to our self-sabotage episode because we didn't want to make part one masses endlessly yeah, okay. long So it's kind of going to be us talking about kind of what is the science behind self-sabotage, like why do we do it? And then also, okay, then what can we actually do to stop self-sabotaging? But before that, we kind of just wanted to have like a bit of a general life catch-up and because now it's been probably like one and a half weeks since we last recorded, if not longer, actually. I can't even put it, like I can't think of when we last recorded. It does feel like a yeah, lot. Yeah, it's been a while. Happened. More for you, probably, but... No, I feel like we've both been quite active in doing things. Because we were both... You were in Birmingham. Uh, yes, facts. <laughs> I did do that. Facts. <laughs> <laughs> okay, do you want to give a little bit of a catch-up and tell our listeners what you've been up to? Yeah. So, uh, like Leo said, I went to Birmingham last weekend. I don't know if we're doing highs and lows in this episode, but that was my high. Um, yeah and it was we can combine it with your catch-up but I basically spent the weekend seeing my sister so my older sister traveled from Glasgow and then we stayed at my twin sisters and the main reason was that we just wanted to see her before she was traveling because actually tomorrow she's going away to Canada to live with her long-distance boyfriend which is so exciting that's so insane we'll definitely have to do like an episode with her when she's back to just be like uh what how was it (laughs) what's your experience i'm almost tempted to do like a a three-point check-in like we should do a mini interview like with her now then like halfway through and then after yeah or like how was it living with him for like the first week and then like a month and a half in and then right before she leaves how she's feeling and stuff that would be so cool (laughs) quite emotional i reckon as well yeah so they're doing long they were doing long distance from like england to canada which is obviously yeah absolute masses away um but they have met in person as well so it's not like they're they've never met and she's doing this massive step so at least there's that which is fine (laughs) 
Um, but yeah, it's exciting. But other than that, I've been going into the office more. So I've, I only go in once a week. So I feel like I can't say I go in a long time. But it's draining. Even even doing once a week is like the day the night before I make sure I'm asleep by like 10. So I can wake up in time. And still get a decent amount yeah. of sleep. And then we usually do things afterwards. That's so healthy of you. Well, I need it or else I can't, I can't really. function. <laughs> I can't even pretend to function. Like, if I don't get sleep, I will start forgetting things. And, like, my job requires me to remember everything. <laughs> so I can't afford to do that. But, yeah, other than that, I've been having just, like, a chill weekend. Ed and I have been thinking a lot about, like, what our next steps are in terms of, like, moving somewhere oh my god what are your current updates what are your current thoughts so we do want we're ready to buy a house together we've decided that's happening we that's actually insane that's so adult guys one of one of us is a proper adult and it's it's actually insane so we we like we've already gotten like the mortgage and principal and we're just waiting basically ed might hopefully touch wood he'll be getting like a pay rise soon so that can help us like get closer to being able to like afford a decent house which will help that's insane um but we we've decided we don't want to move to london like i think it's a bit much for both of our personalities because as much as as much as i enjoy it like once a week i don't think the uh the constant energy and like doing things aligns with me like i do like my downtime more than i probably thought as much as I complain about not having friends, mm. like I do enjoy my alone time. <laughs> um, <laughs> and also, there's like there's quite a few cute like little villages and towns that are like nicer nicer than Newbury and closer to London. Um, and we can like afford yeah. a house there. But yeah, it's like now it's an exciting bit of like just looking around, and if we see a place, then we can like go and. See oh it my and god, stuff. that's insane! Yeah. We do feel ready to do that. That's though. literally incredible. And I know, like, I feel like you and I do have quite different opinions when it comes to this, because my mentality is, like, save as much <laughs> as you can, like, buy as soon as possible, whereas your mentality is, like, you only live once type of thing. Like, don't feel bad about not being ready to do that now. Like, don't feel any pressure to do that now. Yeah, I'd say my 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 mentality is, like, I want to experience as much as I can in my 20s, like, traveling-wise, and I don't want to rush something where I know I'll be happy yeah, to take definitely. that step when I'm a bit older and more ready to settle down I would have no idea what country I'd even want to settle down yeah you know at this point in time but I also you know I know that every person's path is just so different and it's like if you, if you feel like you you that's the right next step for you then that's what you yeah exactly you know it's exciting so, for you yeah I, I think I think Ed and I are both at that stage where it's like we get excited about the thought of like having a house and like decorating it and like making it our own Um, and also the money aspect of it like we were thinking about it and just being here for a year we we both put in like 14,500 pounds or something and that's just like gone not down the drain but it's money that like like rent money yeah where we feel like we're at that time in our lives now where we can we can afford to buy a house so it almost feels like it's the right next step just to be more financially secure i guess and like knowing that it will yeah. eventually own the house um ugh, i hate this conversation it's so adulty but it's, it's exciting it's fun and like yeah. the excitement of like not knowing what where that is and stuff but we do want to make sure it's like nice we're not we're because it's at some not to shit on reading but at some point we were talking about moving there because i was like oh it's a perfect commuting place for me because it's so easy to get into london from there but it's it's just it's not it it's not the vibe <laughs> that i want no i think especially if you're buying something like that's i know that you can sell houses again but you're gonna stay there for at least a few years to make the whole process worth it so you need to make sure that like you really like the neighborhood and exactly. where you are even now like we're thinking of moving within london me and my couple of girlfriends and for me we were thinking about like our different priorities and for me number one is obviously location of like access to public transport yeah but then number two is like the area like are there cute coffee shops around do I want to take like a walk there do I feel safe in the area like do I feel inspired when I walk around you know yeah yeah I I need to be somewhere that has like not I need I want let's just establish that I have I'm like privileged but like I want to be somewhere that has like cute just places that when you look around it like just looks and feels pretty like I don't want to be yeah 
leaving my house and like it feeling dodgy i don't know if that makes sense but a lot of i don't think that's bad to say yeah it's not like i don't know you being a don't know entitled (laughs) bitch who like you know wants so much like i feel like everybody deserves to feel comfortable and safe and like happy with like the way you live especially if you're spending so much money exactly (laughs) which let's face it like all of us are at this point i know especially don't even don't get me started but yeah that's in terms of like (laughs) life stage i think that's like the biggest update i have is that like we're taking that more seriously now um but yeah what about that is actually crazy um so i am not buying a house anytime soon i went to paris though (laughs) it's like the perfect epitome of like where our different lives are at (laughs) at the moment um yeah i did a, a weekend trip to paris with a group of we were six girls and it was just it was such a lovely time i actually love paris for any um parisians or i feel like French people in general, I'm very jealous of your country because also, I don't know, Parisians had just an air of elegance around them uh, yes. and classiness, which I don't know, was just incomparable. Like, I know. I can't quite it describe it. It's like timeless elegance in any single movement. And I'm not one to romanticize cigarettes because I don't smoke and I don't like smoking. But even like just, you know, the Parisians kind of smoking at like, we were sat at this canal one evening and it was just so cool. Like just like drinking wine, you know, and it was just like, wow, it's just, just so beautiful everywhere. And I feel like Paris is one of the most aesthetic places I've ever been to. Like I didn't see a single corner that wasn't beautiful but it's not like it's just like those like three like touristic attractions that are so pretty like the like every any street corner you go to it is beautiful such such a beautiful city i feel like sometimes people say like paris is overrated or like to kind of down talk it or say that they don't like it almost because it's so hyped up but it's like there's a reason why paris is so popular yeah, it's like you don't want to feed into the... Yeah, it's almost I like, know, oh, it'd be cool too. to not like it. But it's just beautiful. And there's so much culture and history and good food. And yeah. we met so many nice people. And yeah, so genuinely a great time. And um, so that's definitely my high. And also I got my film photos developed. Like my two first rolls of film that I've ever shot. So maybe actually in one of the future Machinari's posts, I'll include them as like Cute. a dump because i actually took some cute ones and um so that was a high also have i said on the podcast yet that i got all my photos and videos back i have right you said that there was the guy that was fixing it for you and you were gonna see him that day or something but i don't think you've officially announced. oh my gosh okay yes phone update angel man i know everyone wants to hear this <laughs> it's a, it's an ever continuing saga if you have never listened to our podcast before or have like missed the last four episodes then i apologize mm. basically my phone fell into a toilet um was somehow magically fished out you thought you lost all your photos a month later and then yeah because i hadn't backed them up because i'm stupid um and somehow this magic man from a from this phone shop spent like he said he spent eight or nine hours like recovering the motherboard and transferring all the data and then you know the next day then transferring all the data to onto a usb stick which he especially ordered just for me because they didn't have it in store that was like for it to be (laughs) big enough and then I like went to pick up this USB stick and he only charged me the price of the USB stick. <gasps> he didn't charge me for the price of his work. What? Like what an actual, like this, that was an angel. He was sent from heaven. Like I just can't comprehend Can it. Can you please get him to come on the podcast? Honestly, like how does it feel to be such <laughs> a good person? We need to interview him <laughs> to be like, why are you so good? Like there must yeah. be a story behind this. And he was, yeah, he was saying that he just, he, he, he knew it was important to me and like, you know, his, their, their, they only pay, because I was, like, asking them, like, oh, do you have any favorite chocolate, like, is there anything I could give to you, as, like, a thank, and he was, like, no, like, the only thanks is, like, making our customers happy, oh my and God. I was, like, <laughs> I actually, I need to leave a Google review, please remind me, because I want to give a gushing review, yes. because everybody needs to go to this shop, yeah, <laughs> no, that was great, that's, that's my, my last couple highs for the last couple weeks, and my low is that I'm ill, and I feel like it's 
obviously not that serious because it's just a flu and I know it'll like go by in a couple of days you know but I feel like whenever you're ill it's that classic thing of you almost forget what it feels like to not wake up and feel like crap it's like you forget what it feels like to have a healthy functioning body and it makes you realize how privileged you are to have that 90% of the time you start appreciating which I guess is kind of like maybe a good experience to have yeah because it's kind of woken me up a little bit because I think I definitely on the long list of things that I'm trying to like juggle and sometimes struggle to juggle which is what me and Cara were talking about before that I, I just sometimes feel a bit overwhelmed with like everything of like balancing work and I'm kind of trying to like step up my responsibilities at work at the moment but then also trying to have like a social life trying to maintain a long distance relationship trying to do the podcast and then like trying to be a healthy human (laughs) and sadly the healthy human bit falls off quite a bit for Mm me like I feel like my hours of sleep or me trying to like get a good amount of like exercising or anything like that that will that'll be the first thing that drops off and I think me getting ill because I definitely like deprioritize sleep too much over the last couple of weeks just like highlighted again to me that I just can't keep doing that yeah. you know I'm all, I mean this sounds stupid but I am getting older to the point where my body also can't take as much I do sound like I'm like don't know how many Grandma. years old I am 24 you know I'm not 17 anymore so I just yeah I want to be a bit more I, I want to put my body at the top of my priority list as you should instead of the bottom and then hopefully that will help me with my other priorities because I'm super unproductive when I'm tired <laughs> so then I'm just like sluggish throughout the work day like I'm sure I'd be a lot more productive if I then like got another hour worth of sleep you know the queen of sleep over here Kara's just nodding <laughs> <laughs> I think yeah you're the queen of sleep I'm the queen of hydration though that I am self-proclaimed clean queen of hyd- hydration <laughs> I think I drink like at least three to four liters every day I haven't had a glass of water today if that's how something Cara it's I'm pretty sure I had, like three I've had like three like sips of a glass and it's literally downstairs on the table and I haven't done anything with it I'm not proud of it I just uh... can I just say that I do get at least eight hours of sleep every night so you win some you lose some <laughs> you win some you lose some There's, you can't do everything okay i feel like <laughs> drinking more water is so much easier to do than getting more sleep <laughs> how you sleeping is literally just sitting there and like, going, like doing nothing <laughs> yeah but i want to be doing other things with my day like i get nothing from sleeping i want to be like doing something no comment <laughs> whereas like water and tea is so tasty i do drink i drink tea though a lot of tea Maybe that's why. Okay, if it, if it's not black tea, then it's okay. Because black tea is dehydrating. It's black tea. Kara's <laughs> nodding. Kara, that's even worse. You're drinking like only coffee and black tea. <laughs> no water. Listen. Okay, maybe. Okay, how about as a first step, you just transition to different type of tea? Yeah. You know what I do think? Or like hot lemon or water like, or buy, something. I need to like buy a cute bottle that like I actually enjoy drinking out of rather than like getting a random glass from the like you know like I have to make it a cute accessory <laughs> so I can take it with me everywhere if that's gonna help I you know. yeah I don't know. okay we can we need to combine each other's strengths and weaknesses yeah and both become better we'll figure at it what out. the other person's already good at we'll be okay but we yeah we, should we we Should will we get into the episode on an absolutely trivial <laughs> chart nobody cares about a lack of sleep or lack of water intake <laughs> so we know like what self-sabotage is and we know how it's kind of like what behaviors are self-sabotaging and how we can like, identify these but we want to understand the science behind it. Why do we do it? Why do we self-sabotage, Leo? So first of all, if you haven't listened to part one of the self-sabotage episodes yet, which is last week's episode, then definitely go listen to this first. Otherwise, mm. this will make um, less sense. But 
you can skip the first like 30 minutes of the last episode as well because that was just random <laughs> chat, so. that's just like would it and be a matchadari's episode though if we didn't randomly chit chat no so also people said they okay we're doing it again <laughs> go back go back <laughs> so basically we did obviously some research into okay now we know self-sabotage is obviously very common and there's like loads of different ways in which it can happen and even before when we were having like just our personal catch-up we could think of like several different incidents of like self-sabotage that like we saw in like friends of ours and like in each other as in like and I just I find it very interesting so I think it can sometimes be easier to identify than in other instances and I think also often easier to identify in other people than to like actually look inwards and like reflect on oh what I because I think it's sometimes a bit painful to realize what have you actually been self-sabotaging because nobody wants to admit that to themselves almost yeah and basically what I think kind of the key takeaway of what I read was that there is no single reason why self-sabotage happens which I mean unfortunate we love simple explanations but sadly it's (laughs) not that simple like everything in life um but yeah it's so funny because in in the source material that I read it was literally like trying to look for a simple answer is probably a sign that you don't yet fully understand what self-sabotage really is and what it takes to work through it kind of passive aggressive don't you think (laughs) um but that made me feel great about myself thanks sweetie (laughs) just because I want a simple explanation um Mm -hmm. but yeah I found it interesting because I was reading about this clinical psychologist who was talking about two different clients who were both struggling from the same form of self-sabotage which was that they consistently get into romantic relationships with people they don't respect because it makes them feel better about themselves and so I just wanted to read this excerpt because it kind of like showed like how the same behavior had like different root causes which I found interesting. So Mm. what she said is that it's self-sabotage because the way they've learned to fill their need for confidence and self-esteem is by fostering relationships that don't really work but make them feel superior and confident. Obviously, this gets in the way of their long-term goal of having a healthy romantic relationship, which again is just the definition of self-sabotage, like doing things in the short term that are gonna ruin your goals that you have for yourself long-term yeah but they keep falling into it because self-esteem is so low and they don't have a better way of addressing it these two clients she brings up as examples because they each developed an almost identical pattern of self-sabotaging behavior in very different ways the first example is modeling so in my work with the first client we traced his habit of self-sabotage back to early modeling from his parents essentially his dad struggled with the same lack of confidence and self-esteem and addressed it by being hypercritical of my client's mother and eventually other girlfriends and wives. Because this is what my client saw all the time growing up, that was his model of how relationships work and how self-esteem works. The second example, so the second client, for him it was power. So this second client had parents with a very healthy relationship and as a kid, this client had normal levels of confidence and self-esteem. But in college, after she experienced a terrible instance of sexual abuse, the way she coped with her insecurities and fears in relationships was to get into relationships with men who were quote-unquote beneath her so she could feel more secure and powerful. Which... So heartbreaking. Yeah, it's really... And I think really in essence, every single form of self-sabotage really is kind of heartbreaking because you're like hurting yourself at the core Mm -hmm. of it but also other people in the process you know those people that then because she was hurt then ended up she hurting other people in relationships like putting them down so it's kind of like a vicious cycle and until you kind of break it it's never going to stop like you're just going to continuously hurt yourself and other people around you I do think it's also sad when it's rooted in like childhood like trauma or things that you experience when you're a kid because then it's, like, it's truly nothing that you can control. Like, you didn't choose to be in that situation where you're ex- experiencing these bad behaviors around you. And, like, just knowing that it ends up affecting you as an adult, it's sad. I think that's probably... I think the majority of people have something from their childhood that is still affecting them when they're an adult. Whether you yeah. realize it or not. Like, I think even if you have a very healthy family dynamic, if, you know, you have a very good relationship with your parents... I almost think no adult comes out unscathed from childhood or teenage experiences. (laughs) You know, there's always going to be something that you have to work through. 
whether you realize it yet or not mm-hmm. or doesn't it not even just something that you work through but just something like if you act a certain way that's not as typical and you just know like i am this way because this happened when i was a kid yeah but it also i mean it doesn't mean that it's i think the first step is realizing that something is affected by your childhood because i think so often you can take certain things for granted or certain behaviors or emotional attitudes for granted and just think they're Mm -hmm. like part of who you are or like i don't know just something normalized or maybe you don't even recognize it as a problem until you kind of wake up to it yeah and then once you identify it it's kind of like you can kind of forgive yourself yeah whatever way you're acting because it's like you know it's not your fault and also start working through it right and start to make make changes yeah exactly so looking at like the the causes and this was obviously the that kind of like example of the that the psychologist was talking about that was one of them i think the most common causes are like patterns learned in childhood so what I kind of read was that the patterns that we learn in kind of our earliest relationships often then repeat in relationships throughout life because we're attached to these patterns and then they're hard to give up so for example like if you had a parent who never paid much attention to you unless they were angry then it's like getting people angry in the future is kind of you see it as like that's the only way you'll get their interest and then it's like you feel stuck in that pattern yeah um and and then like the the past in that example like modeling kind of like copying and like modeling after behaviors that you saw from your parents so for example like having parents who are like lacking in confidence then it's like that child may then also internalize some of like a lack of Mm self-confidence or obviously also like rejection being neglected like that can I think that's very clear to see how that can cause kind of low self-esteem or kind of other negative self-image issues and then that can again then like compel us to sabotage personal relationships to kind of avoid further vulnerability and rejection and I almost feel like I mean this is I don't know if this is like a controversial opinion I know that maybe both of us can't necessarily speak on it because we neither of us have gone through it but I feel like um if people go through like if their parents divorce when they're young I feel like that almost is some form of rejection or like trauma in some way yeah because it's I think a lot of kids especially when they're I think younger maybe too young to understand may take that as like they didn't do enough or to keep you know or maybe are are the parents rejecting them you know yeah exactly it's quite hard and that's something that a lot of people go through I mean I think it's like 50% of marriages end in in divorce that means like 50% of us have gone through yeah it's a lot you know their parents have gone through divorce yeah I'd be curious to see actually like how people are impacted by that um but just to add on the whole like childhood impact on that I found this uh, article that I kind of liked what they said so I'm just gonna read it um, so it says, if if parents, teachers, or childhood peers communicate that you aren't good at maths or writing or sports, let's say, um, or just that you aren't a winner in general, then those messages get learned. Tell a child that she can't do algebra enough times and she'll start to believe that it's true. These are the rules that we live by without necessarily knowing it. It's this stuff which can evoke the same... Uh, evoke the sometimes subtle emotions that keep us away from challenge. We fear the failure we've been taught to expect. But it's not really that we're afraid of failing an exam per se. It's that we're afraid of what those things have meant in the past. We want to be loved above almost everything else. So if something threatens to take that love away, it gets lodged as this dangerous thing. Um, If society is conveyed that people of your race, gender, sexual orientation, height, weight or any other type aren't successful at a certain thing, then your unconscious may well strive to keep you away from it. And it'll try to do that no matter how strongly you think that those stereotypes are not or should not be true. So essentially, beliefs form the edges we are urged to keep a safe distance from, um, or else we'll fall. Uh, Yeah. And then, basically, the, the maps that define the edges aren't actually from our own making they come from these childhoods and like lessons learned from the people around you it's even harder isn't it if you think about like all the systemic kind of beliefs and prejudices and 
injustices that exist that every single child has no choice but kind of being infested by it almost you know yeah and all of the kind of implicit judgments on people and yeah views on what certain people can or can't do should shouldn't and even though you want to not believe it I think it's a lot harder to kind of let go of than we might think because it's like yeah you just grow up with it and it's all you know but we as humans are capable of like changing our mindsets which I think we shouldn't dismiss ourselves of being able to do that we have a lot more power I think than we give ourselves credit for I know. But it's also, I think you have to realize the struggle first or recognize it before you then can address it and then, like, give yourself the power to do so. Yeah. And basically some other common causes were past relationship dynamics. So that doesn't necessarily have to be, you know, just in childhood. That could be, like, in a romantic relationship again that you have. Like, for example, if you didn't Mm -hmm. feel supported or heard for asking what you needed, then you might struggle to communicate in like a current or future relationship or if you have an abusive partner or somebody who like didn't care about your thoughts or feelings then you could maybe stay quiet to defend yourself but then also maybe you don't learn as well to advocate for your needs and just because your present situation differs from your past it can sometimes still be difficult to break out of the same destructive patterns and I think we see that a lot, right, with, like, you know, of past betrayals of trust, like, and then, like, projecting that onto current relationships or, yeah, I, feel, I think it's, mm-hmm. it's that's such a common example, I think. And I feel that with, like, every single romantic, not even just relationship, like, every single situation almost that you get into leaves some sort of mark on you and, like, you go into the next one changed and, like, you'll take all of your yeah. learnings, whether that's good or bad, into the next person the next situation with another person yeah I mean I'm just thinking like just talking about this now I was just thinking of like my relationship with friends and why I find it so hard to like connect with friends Mm. it's because my first ever friendship where I literally like loved the person with all my heart just left like just suddenly woke up one day and decided not to be my friend so it's like even though I'm completely over it and like her and I have made up now and like we'll just like we'll catch up and stuff and there's no hard feelings I can't help but like I know deep down that the reason I find it hard to connect with people on a deep level and like open myself up is because I and that is self-sabotage because I've gone through five six years of not having that many close friends and that it was a personal choice as soon as there was any inconvenience I cut people out because it was like my way of protecting myself Mm. but it is self-sabotage to some extent that's really interesting (laughs) to every extent (laughs) no that's really interesting but yeah it's interesting to see that like you can be over you can be over a situation and like forgive it but deep down like you try to protect yourself in ways even if you're not like fully aware of it it makes so much sense though like for example in your situation kind of just knowing that a person you could feel so secure in that relationship and then just from one day to the other they just walk away yeah that is really scary and that is really heartbreaking and I guess that's the same with like if that happened in like a romantic relationship as well it's just it makes you realize what is possible and then I think your brain just like wants to subconsciously protect yourself from like that hurt again yeah or even though obviously you have to realize that you know your current friends won't do that again or that it's a different situation Mm -hmm. it's it's making me think of the book ugly love um because in that by Colleen Hoover because in that book it's basically like this guy I don't want to spoil it but this guy refuses to um get into any committed relationships or like let himself fall in love and it's this whole idea that he thought he was protecting himself but actually he ends up wasting like six years of his life because he's never let himself feel love Mm -hmm. and actually it's worth the good that comes out of that situation is always better than and worth more than that the possible bad that comes with it I definitely agree like in a friendship I'd rather yeah it's better to put yourself out there because a lot there's a lot more good that can come out of it than that fear of like that one bad thing that might happen and you're not you have no control over anyways yeah whether it's good or bad everything is gonna kind of leave you stronger than you were before yeah
the next kind of common cause which I feel like I definitely struggle with is kind of the fear of failure or even fear of success so apparently it's common for insecurities and self-limiting beliefs to surface (laughs) surface when we approach something that we truly desire and so this is kind of all rooted in like insecurity which apparently kind of just originates from this inner critic that tells us that you know we're not good enough we can't accomplish a certain thing and it's kind of just like remnants of this past that are like depleting our self-confidence mm. and then make us create dysfunctional habits that kind of serve to protect us from the pain of failure so for example if you don't want to fail at getting your dream job or in your relationship or even like a being I don't know a good friend you might unintentionally sabotage your own efforts to do well. Your unconscious mind might like present you with excuses and like ways to sabotage yourself. So for example, and I, and I have done this and I do this as well of like, if you're in a new relationship that's going super well, it's like you believe that it's only a matter of time before something is going to happen to end it or like, and like telling yourself like, oh, this is too good and like that's not gonna last so then you begin like retreating from your partner and closing yourself off or like starting Mm -hmm. arguments because it's almost like you're motivated to bring about your own failure so then you aren't surprised when it happens and I actually read this and I was like this is literally me I have done this it's actually sad how relatable this is probably to a lot of people yeah like causing the end before so that you can't be blindsided for the of the end happening even I guess like with you with the friendships thing right like you cutting people off is almost like you preventing the friendship like, from failing or from you being situation. hurt like I chose to end the friendship rather than yeah. like blindsiding me so you cut it off before you can get hurt because you're like oh it's gonna end eventually anyways like our friendship is gonna hurt me eventually yeah. anyways so let me yeah, cut it off that for me <laughs> just to add on the whole fear of failure bit so Um, avoiding something is a fear response and fear is functional so for example we're afraid of falling because we know that falling can hurt us so the human mind has evolved to stimulate the unpleasant feeling of fear in order to keep us away from the edge Um, and then also procrastination is avoidance so people think of it as laziness Um, but it's designed basically to keep us at at a safe distance from a potential drop so when we constantly avoid things... Oh my god, that's so interesting. When we constantly avoid things that could help us progress in life, it's often um, because on some level we're afraid of the actual outcome. <gasps> that hits deep. I know. <laughs> that's so interesting. Wow. How crazy. Also, the fact that we're talking about control, that's the next like another cause isn't it like need for control yeah exactly that's another common cause because it's like exactly feeling in control it it all kind of blends into each other again right with the friendship situation with the relationship situation it's like Mm -hmm. when you're in control you feel safe you feel like strong and then types of self-sabotage can provide you with that full sense of control so instead of feeling vulnerable you're in control or with procrastination again it also ties into that need for control because if you kind of put off writing, I don't know, the essay that you need to write or studying for the exam, even though you know that like doing something at the last minute won't help the quality, it's like you are in control because you chose to write it at the last minute. So even if it's then bad, it's like, well, it's because I had to do it so last minute and then I did the best I could sort of thing. And also in relationships, because like opening up to someone emotionally can be like incredibly vulnerable and then sometimes by keeping things in it's almost like you feel like you still have the upper hand or you still have control over the situation but then actually what you are doing is like you're not getting the rewards of being able to build intimacy with someone that you get from being vulnerable with someone and sharing that yeah I also I found that uh, with situations of self-sabotage the unconscious minds handles the way in which we feel and it's how we feel that then determines the way we act and in those moments of unconscious response, they're instantaneous. And it has to be because that's the only way it, it can keep us safe. So in those moments, it doesn't, like, our brain doesn't really have time to listen to adult reasoning. And it doesn't really wait for commands. So, like, in those moments yeah. where you're quickly reacting or, like, saying something that you don't really mean, but it's a protective mechanism. You're saying this because your brain simply feels based on what it already knows. So in your past, you're then using the learning the learnings from your previous experiences to then determine your behavior so I think it's just interesting to know that when you are self-sabotaging 
it's the your unconscious mind that's creating those yeah. actions based on how like you know you're gonna handle it from a, like an emotional and feeling point of view rather than like actually what's the logic and what's what's the real situation at hand it's like a mind game yeah it really is and it that ties us in very well of like okay how can you actually identify when we are self-sabotaging then break the that pattern and apparently even though there's like not a common pattern obviously when it comes to like the cause of self-sabotage there is a common theme of that people who do self-sabotage a lot is because they've learned at some point that it does in quotation mark work very well because obviously yeah. it only like works in the short term and then has kind of like the opposite effect in the long term but for example if you're like procrastinating a lot then you kind of do that because you learn that you were kind of fine doing without much studying anyways and it, the end results always end up being fine or you know yeah. kind of if you're planning for the worst and that's kind of the only way that you know how to deal with I don't know bad situations in that moment of time or I think there's loads of examples that we can think of um so I do think so what we kind of found was that like the first thing that you have to do is identify the behavior that is the self-sabotage that is a pattern of self-sabotage which again like we've said quite a few times that is not always easy and it can be very painful to admit and so it's kind of like I think it helps to look at areas of your life where things seem to regularly go wrong. So for example, Mm -hmm. relationships or picking fights or jobs or whatever it is. And then kind of looking at what are some common factors, maybe even across those areas where like you seem to be doing things repeatedly. And then the next thing is kind of like recognizing triggering thoughts. So kind of like learning what would set you off and like those subconscious patterns, which you were talking about, what Mm. sets those off? And when do you almost like feel like you have to act that out? And I think there again, I mean, we love journaling, but I think that would be helpful to almost like journal about and like reflect on. And often like those triggers are accompanied by kind of an, an intense or like emotional reaction. And then if we're aware of the -hmm. trigger, then we can kind of like transform or deactivate them through like positive self-talk and kind of looking at it, trying to look at it, like dissect it, looking at it rationally. Mm. It's almost like you detach yourself from it and then you can actually like logically and rationally find a way to to attack it and like figure it out rather than just letting it consume you in that moment. And I found it interesting because it was like an, a list of like example triggers, which were kind of different from what I thought they might be. So triggers that like are common are boredom, fear, <laughs> things going well and self-doubt. So just those I get of. the boredom. I get it. <laughs> Every time I'm in the shower and I have nothing else to think about, my brain goes in a spiral of like, this is everything wrong going on in your life. <laughs> I have that like just before bed. Yeah, it's just when you have alone time with your brain. Yeah. Or even like when things are going too well, it's almost like that disbelief. It's like, oh, but something needs to go wrong. Yeah. And like just you thinking that you're creating alternative futures of like what could happen. And like then you convince yourself that everything's going wrong. It's really Our brains are insane. Um, Another thing that we can do to like get better at identifying when we're self-sabotaging is to and I love this one it says practice getting comfortable with failure rejection and disappointment so essentially it's normal to feel afraid of rejection and like the emotional pain that comes with that and they're obviously not fun to deal with and we try our best to avoid them but when we're trying to uh, when we're trying to avoid them that's when it helps make it self-sabotage because you kind of like do everything that you can to protect yourself from feeling that experience but it's going to happen ultimately. So if, if you change your mindset, like, and as shit, as shit as that sound sounds, life isn't this like romantic thing that like every moment will be perfect. There will be hardships that you go through. So it's more just like accepting that that is a reality and that it's okay. Like it's okay for things to go wrong. It's okay for you not to be perfect. It's okay for you to disappoint people or for, for you to be disappointed by others. Then you can again distance yourself and like the next time something goes wrong whether it's like a relationship gone sour or like a missed opportunity at at work you can kind of look at it from a distance and then be like that's okay 
instead of it feeling like that's something that's there's no way that it can happen you know and then accept it and be compassionate to yourself yeah again another helpful tip that I found was kind of like identifying Mm -hmm. what you really want because I guess it's kind of like looking at that like long-term thing because you might think that things in the short term are working out great but then if you're looking at okay what are your actual your long-term goals and then are your current actions leading up to that long-term goal or are they actually standing in the way I think that's so important um so for example yeah for example if like you're unfulfilled at work because like your daily tasks aren't using anything of like your specialized skills then you might kind of start watching like Netflix in the background whenever you're (laughs) bored which I definitely have done in the past you know can't even lie um and yeah that's obviously like you shouldn't be doing that that's not the sign of like a a productive work day or also you know this I found interesting it's like you might tell yourself you want a relationship even though you're happiest when you're single and in a response every time you move past the casual dating stage you start creating conflict which I think it's just interesting because it's maybe like a less classic a less typical example than you might think so it's also like examining yourself like what do you actually want versus like what does society maybe make Mm -hmm. you think that you should want so it's kind of like getting to know yourself better and exploring what do you actually want to to prevent yeah. that kind of self-sabotage and then you can kind of do the work and like support yourself to yeah, actually I think make the, the cliche steps to example for this would be if you're if you you do love love but you're afraid of getting hurt so every time you get into a relationship as soon as it becomes this like serious thing that you get a bit scared of you then self-sabotage and you create this conflict and you don't let a relationship move forward but then it, so in this example of like think about what you really want instead of looking so in those moments yeah it might like feel good and you're protecting yourself by like ending the relationship the long in in the long term what do you want like do you really want to have short-term relationships that end or do you want to eventually find the person that you spend the rest of your life with because if you if you then have like realize that and actualize it and you're like okay no I do want to conquer my fear or like get out of this discomfort zone so I can actually learn how to love someone then you can when you're in those self-sabotaging patterns, you can be like, I know that this is not going to help me get over whatever fear it is I'm, I'm feeling. I like that, yeah. The, the sentence that stood out to me was, letting go of self-sabotage isn't just an intellectual problem of planning and strategy, it's an emotional tolerance problem. Because mm. I think the one thing that you have to be able to tolerate in order to form any sort of new habit or set of behaviors, which is what I'm currently actually trying we were talking about this before we were recording the episode like trying to set up some new patterns of behavior yeah and it's tolerating discomfort especially emotional discomfort and kind of realizing that just because an emotion feels bad like feels uncomfortable doesn't mean that it is bad Mm -hmm. you know and just because an emotion is uncomfortable you know it doesn't mean that emotions can never be kind of dangerous or morally wrong like you can't put that judgment on your emotions as well and it's kind of like also practicing sitting with that negative kind of emotion like practicing your emotional tolerance so instead of immediately doing something to like alleviating that feeling or distracting yourself from it kind of practicing tolerating those negative emotions for a small amount of time so for example instead of like immediately pulling out your phone and like browsing I don't know Instagram as soon as you feel like bored or frustrated (laughs) then like just practice doing nothing and letting yourself feel that like feeling of like frustration for like 10 20 30 seconds yeah and then you kind of like gradually build up that tolerance for that emotion and then you have that in like other areas of your life as well and then you can kind of build up that pattern of like sitting with that discomfort to help you in in further areas so this one was kind of, I found it interesting because it said that this isn't the most necessary step in letting go of self-sabotage, but it is the most powerful. Ooh. And Tell it is clarifying more. your values. Mm. So clarifying your values and aspirations. So really thinking about what are the things that are really, truly matter to you in your life? And then you connect your kind of new healthy behaviors to them. Because then that kind of makes them easier for them to like take root and grow. Because obviously it's kind of just like connecting it to okay why should I you know then sit with that discomfort for 10-20 minutes whatever your like values are then like connecting the short-term behaviors to it to kind of like make them stick as habits 
Okay, so as an example, let's say you wanted to give up the self-sabotaging behavior of watching Netflix as soon as you get home from work because it's kind of just like sucking time, leading you to not accomplishing any more meaningful goals. And then let's say the alternative healthier behavior you've identified that you want to replace it with is going for a walk in order to get some exercise. And then if you were kind of asked at the beginning, like, okay, why do you want to go for a walk instead of watching Netflix when you get home? Then like the initial response might be like, because I want to get into shape. And then even though that's a value in itself, it's not a very compelling one. So you, if you want your values to kind of help motivate you towards actual new behaviors, they must be compelling and more specific. So it could be actually because you want to feel more energetic and less tired. And then even better than that could be, okay, what would you be able to do if you felt more energetic and less tired each day? Yeah. And then you could say, oh my, so they, they said this example of like, after hearing this, your eyes might light up a little. And you'd say, <laughs> you know, since college, I've always wanted to learn to play the guitar and be in a band. I know it sounds silly. I'm 43 years old, but I get excited every time I think about it. And I think if I just wasn't so exhausted all the time, I could actually make it happen. <laughs> so it's cute. like, okay, that is a clarified value. And I think it's so true because I think all of us have got these values or things that we think of that we actually want to be able to do. And there's so many almost like mini behaviors and habits that are like blocking us from getting to that. And we might not even be able to see the connection between all of them. Yeah. It's all about like really setting like the intentionality behind what you're doing and like convincing yourself I guess to some extent and like being your own best friend I love that yeah making you realize why you why should you be doing something in the first place because it, like it, like with the emotional vulnerability we say that all the time right like why would you even want to make yourself emotionally vulnerable <laughs> you know like that's bloody scary what's the point and then it's like okay you have to look what's your value in the long term is it to fall in love have a deep meaningful connection have the babies have the babies well you could have those without a deep meaningful connection that's true it's 2022 do whatever you want but yeah i think we've rambled on for long enough we have definitely not just talked for 35 minutes as was the original plan (laughs) i hope this didn't feel rushed either like i hope it was actually a good episode and you guys enjoyed it i enjoyed it yes we hope you enjoyed we hope you got something from it i feel like it's opened my eyes yeah a little bit more which i always like when episodes do that yeah so yeah we hope you're doing well and as always please message us keep in touch with us on instagram we're the most active probably yeah at the matcha diaries we try our best to respond oh rate us on spotify and apple Podcasts or wherever Mm -hmm. you're listening because it means a lot and it definitely does help getting new people letting new people find our podcast and everything and and just making more friends exactly more matcha friends mm-hmm. but yeah we hope you're doing well and we'll speak to you next week speak soon bye bye